0: Wednesday, June eighth, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Barker, from Income Investor James Early, and from Motley Fool Hidden Gems Charlie Travers. Guys, good to see you. Good hey, to see you, Chris. We've got news from the world of oil. We've got news from McDonald's and Apple and Exxon Mobil are both building some new buildings. We will get to all of those in a moment, but we are going to begin today with the Fed chief. Ben Bernanke gave his first public speech in months yesterday and said that the U.S. economic recovery remains uneven and offered no new steps to stimulate growth. Things got interesting during the post-speech Q&A, however, when Jamie Dimon, the CEO of JPMorgan Chase, asked Bernanke if new banking regulations will slow the economic recovery. Bill, Jamie Dimon clearly afraid that new regs are going to slow growth. Uh, is that warranted? Should well, he be afraid? Uh,
1: on that limited question, I think that he has a point, which is that in reaction to any kind of uh, you know, calamity, and we had one in the uh, banking sector in 2008, uh, uh, you find a lot of regulations, new regulations, being implemented to make sure that the same thing doesn't happen again. And it's not unusual for there to be more regulations that are really than are really needed. And then there's a cutback on them over time, but in the interim, you've got an overregulation of, of of the business. Now, Jamie Dimon's company was not one of the worst offenders, so from his perspective, all these regulations and the new capital requirements are unnecessary for for him, in his opinion. <laughs> but he he succeeded in in drawing a little blood. James, what do yeah, you think? And
2: for those of us who maybe don't like to think as much, I mean, there's something to be said about the reaction. I mean, I'm just talking more simple terms. I mean, the question was, will this work? And and Ben Bernanke's reaction to me was just priceless because he basically said, we have no idea. And and that's sort of the true thing about economics is nobody has any idea if any of this stuff is going to work until it's too late.
0: But I I don't know. I I, I watched that and I just sort of thought, I I wanted Ben Bernanke to just smack him down. Because I, I get what you're saying, Bill, in terms of like, well, we weren't the worst offender. Well, you know what? Your industry was, and your industry, you know, brought us the worst economic situation since the Great Depression. So, you know what? We're going to try it this way for a while. Charlie? Yeah.
3: uh, You know, you see – uh, Bernanke's testimony in front of Congress. He's very respectful of, you know, the Congress people at that point. You know you understand that in that setting. But here you have a uh, CEO of a public company. And you expect, you know, this is the time if he could uh, come out with a bit of a spine and just stand up and let him have it. Uh, but instead, he just plays the meek role that uh, you're used to seeing. And, you know, it's kind of like, well, does he? it doesn't really inspire a lot of confidence that the Fed chairman, uh, you know, really knows what he's doing. Obviously, he's a very smart man and he does know what he's doing, but it doesn't, you know, he could, Portray that a little bit So better.
2: would you prefer faux confidence, I guess, is my question?
3: No, I want to say faux confidence. I think but the honest know.
2: answer is he has no idea. Maybe yeah, it's right.
3: more in the delivery. Ber- Bernanke. The delivery. Yeah, it was
2: the
1: delivery. Bernanke yeah. made the, not necessarily the mistake of answering the question. Honestly, no, we have not drawn out a study, a computer model. I don't know how you would do it for how all these regulations are going to interact with each other. It's like you know trying to predict the weather two years from today.
0: What can we offer the Fed chief in the way of counsel, in terms of like, hey, next time you're in this situation, you know, what can he do to look a little bit more intimidating? Throw a little bit more steely glare, steely glare. Nice, I like that. Instead of just answering, don't even talk, just Just stare, (laughs) (laughs) just stare down (laughs) Jamie Diamond. Maybe I won't
1: help you out next time, Jamie. How about that? You know, is that you're looking for something, but phrased better, a little bit more professorial. I would have been fine with that,
0: James. What do you think?
1: Mirrored sunglasses
2: would help too, I think.
0: Mirrored sunglasses.
2: I like that. It's a little sexier look. Just pull
0: them out and yeah. pop them on. I like it. All right. Earlier today, the most recent meeting of OPEC officials ended in disarray. As a result, OPEC left its production levels unchanged, causing oil prices to jump back up over $100 a barrel. James Early. What do you make of this?
2: Well, let's step back, Chris, and look at the purpose of OPEC, first of all, which is to benefit crazy despots. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is an organization not <laughs> that, that in it, their charter? <laughs> <does laughs> they have but that me, written down? Me, it controls a third of the world's oil. If we tried to start a similar cartel in the U.S., we'd all be arrested. I think it's also illegal according to W2O rules. But, you know, that, again, that's not gone enforced. And, frankly, any organization where Iran is the number two power is, is suspect in, 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 in my book. Uh, basically, OPEC had a policy deadlock. They couldn't agree on increasing production. Saudi Arabia wanted to. Iran and some of the others did not want to. Uh, so they're just kind of, they didn't do anything. And that inaction drove oil prices back up a little bit. Um, the bigger picture, hopefully, is this this could be the beginning of the end of OPEC because it's not, I mean, it really hasn't helped the world. It's helped a few, you know, fairly unstable regimes, and that's about it.
1: In, it this may be a small point, but in, in defense of the members of OPEC, not all of the despots there are crazy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's your defense? (laughs) As I say, it's a small point. Um, Earlier in the week, uh, we were talking on this podcast um, about uh, Germany's decision uh, to get rid of nuclear energy uh, and T. Boone Pickens' uh, decision to basically get out of the business of wind production. Um, When you look at the energy sector writ large... Uh, for investors who are looking to get in, is oil still the best place to start as opposed to maybe going a more alternative route, James?
2: Yeah, it's almost increasingly good, Chris, just because for for every uh, modern economy that's trying to ease back a little bit and, and people like me driving a Prius, there are – you know, 20 Chinese or Indians or, you know, people anywhere else in the world who are just struggling to buy their first car. So these people are going to really, really need oil. The demand is going to go up. Uh, We're we're getting better at extracting it, but we're not overall getting more
0: of it. So it's still a good investment. Charlie, what do you think? Oil still the best place to start?
3: Uh, yeah, I would throw natural gas in there, as long, and I do like oil as well. Uh, we have a company we own over a million-dollar portfolio called Denbury Resources. It's a little bit of a different way to play oil. They kind of take older fields that are you know, almost on the verge of being used up and extract uh, very cheaply kind of the last remnants. And it's a, it's a good business, um, and they don't have the exploration risk that some of the majors have to deal with.
2: And I like the way that you said "over" at million-dollar portfolios.
0: If we have a satellite office somewhere, <laughs> right, 20 right, 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 feet away from the studio. Right. right. <laughs> McDonald's same-store sales results in May were up 3.1 percent. That's lower than expected. Bad weather in the Southwest United States and worries over food contamination in Germany are getting the blame. Charlie, it's McDonald's. So how big a deal? is a number like this for them?
3: Uh, not a big deal at all for the company or shareholders. I, I really love the retail and restaurant monthly same-store sales reports. They're just kind of laughable, <laughs> especially for a you know giant company like McDonald's. You know, a month is just a blip on the radar. And you know, I think a better number to look at is that 2010 marked eight straight years of same-store sales growth. And that's the kind of perspective I think shareholders and you know people in the full community should look at with a blue-chip kind of stock like McDonald's and not what they did in the month of May, missing you know expectations in quotes by half a percentage point.
1: Bill? Yeah, McDonald's has been on a roll. This is a company by the way we own in the Motley Fool asset management funds. Um it's just barely off it's all-time high, so it's not the kind of thing that, you know, is always a great entry point, uh, although sometimes that that works out for people. Uh this is a a very 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 minor uh blip if even that. I mean, it's it's a 3% same store sales growth. I think they could probably be happy banking that for the next couple of years. Uh, they they might take that uh, if 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 they could get it. James, I agree. It's an I.I.
2: rec Also, any company that makes stuff that's bad for you is a company I wouldn't bet again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, well, one of the things that McDonald's is doing is uh, looking to. Upgrade the look and feel of their restaurants. They're pouring uh, a lot of money into renovations. Uh, in some cases, offering free Wi-Fi, uh, like flat-screen TVs on the on the wall. Um, is that something that is going to move the needle for them? Because I, I sort of look at McDonald's as a you know what you're getting as soon as you walk in the door, and an ambiance isn't isn't going to sway me one way or the other. I mean. James, what do you think? Well,
2: 10 years ago, Chris, the fast casual industry sort of took the the fast food industry by surprise. They didn't, you know, this is a concept that obviously there was demand for and they hadn't exploited. And look at Panera now. You can go there, relax. Starbucks, a little bit the same idea. I think McDonald's is going for this angle. Uh, Will it work? I don't know. What's interesting is just knowing people in the the business, restaurants design chairs based on how long they're comfortable for. So a fancy restaurant might give you an hour chair to stay an hour. McDonald's, I think, used like 15-minute chairs or something like that so you would get out and move. But but they're actually taking a very different track now. So are they going to have too many loiterers, or is that good or bad for business? I don't know. But it's definitely interesting.
3: Charlie? I would be in favor of the spending where they have the double drive through lanes, where they can get more customers through the drive through or, you know, better kitchen equipment where you can make the food faster or in larger quantities. You're sick of waiting for your McDonald's? Yeah, I mean, that, that 30-second <laughs> 30 wait is far is too long. Um, but the, the investments in the appearance of the store itself are probably questionable because these renovations are not cheap. You know, and, and a counterpoint would be Dairy Queen, which is owned by Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway, they put absolutely no money into it because, you know, the renovations aren't going to generate the kind of return that you would want to see. You know, And there's a better place for the money. And McDonald's, uh, I think, instead of renovating the store, should keep hiking the dividend, which they've done a phenomenal job of over the last five years.
1: I, I would just uh, take issue with the, James's cynical comment that <laughs> McDonald's makes bad things for you. Well, one of the things that's actually been driving... Uh, improved sales, of course, is coffee, which Chris and I know is great for you. Yes. I mean, there's almost nothing healthier. It seems like
0: every six months there's yet another study that may or may not be funded by the coffee industry about how <laughs> coffee uh, – not,
1: not just coffee, large amounts yeah, of large coffee amounts. on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. It's
0: incredibly healthy for you. Yeah, it's you. really good for you. And, and, uh, it gets rid of pretty much every disease. But
1: uh, <laughs> McDonald's does have a long way to go in terms of uh, – Bettering its menu and making it healthier. And I think they are never going to be the trendsetter in that, uh, but they will follow a society that becomes uh, grudgingly uh, more aware of, of eating, uh, eating better. And, and McDonald's will follow along with that and, and are, are in no way going
0: to get left behind, I think. And finally, ExxonMobil and Apple are the two biggest market cap companies in the stock market. They are all also in the process of building some fancy new digs for their employees. ExxonMobil is building on nearly 400 acres in the Houston area, uh, going with the, the campus layout. Um, Steve Jobs just went before the city council in Cupertino, California, to lay out his vision of a single round building that will hold 12,000 people he compared it to a spaceship, and uh, for those of us who have seen the photo uh, of <laughs> design uh, online of the building, yeah, it basically looks like a massive spaceship um, Exxon mobile uh obviously they're they're not in competition with Apple, but I mean, if you're an apple employee and you find out you're getting a new building and it's a spaceship you've got to be pretty excited um, for exxon Mobil, what's what's something they can do for their employees that will make Apple employees just slightly jealous. Apple employees are like, well, we got the spaceship, but we don't have that. Charlie, what I, do you think? I think like an oil industry
3: themed water park on campus. You know, so if you envision uh, like the oil rig striking oil and oil shooting up 100 feet in the air, you can make all sorts of fun rides or like oil shooting down a tube. You know, so just this park out campus where you can take these themed rides. That's way better than this spaceship looking thing.
1: On you some of the fast. slides, do you like run aground? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's
3: kind of the risk you take. <laughs> Bill, what do you think?
1: Uh, I don't think you have to overthink this. I mean, what would be more uh, enjoyable about uh, leaving work, coming to work than if they're just gassing up your vehicle? You know, when you park and they've they've got a guy that that's filling up your tank every day. I'd rather have that at my place of employment than work in a spaceship.
0: So that's so that's your, the perk you want, like just a free filling station on the campus.
1: Yes, and then I'm every night I'm driving like two. 300 miles just to just to
3: run my tank down you know (laughs) just just so that i
1: feel like i'm getting a raise the more oil that's being put into my car the better i'm being paid effectively
3: it's like a new version of the long
0: lunch you're like i'm really gonna stick it to them.
1: i'm lending my car out to everybody yeah yeah bring just do me a favor bring it back empty
0: We'll just add that to the long list of reasons why ExxonMobil is not beating down our door to hire you. <laughs> James Hurley, Bill Barker, Charlie Travers. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank and you, Chris. Chris. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.